One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Adiola Depot here. Thank you so much for downloading Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're here every single Tuesday live on TalkSport to myself, and the great Gareth A. Davis. If you can't join us live, remember to subscribe to the Fight Night podcast channel. So much other great content there as well, such as Fight Night, Fight of My Life, and even the Mike Tyson story, The Boy from Brownsville. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. If you love your boxing and your MMA, this is the show for you. It's Fight Night Extra with me, Gareth A. Davis, and one half of the Fight Disciples, Nick Pete where we discuss all the latest from the world of combat sports. Today, we'll discuss the return of Dillian White. The body snatcher takes on Jermaine Franklin this weekend, knowing that a win will put him one step closer to a much-talked-about rematch with, yes, Anthony Joshua next year. One match that will be happening next year is a big world title fight for Anthony Yard. He'll face Arta Baturbiev in January next year after making short work of Stefani Koikov on Saturday night. Three belts on the line there, of course, held by Baturbiev. We'll hear from Yard about the challenge that awaits him and discuss if he has what it takes to topple the undefeated Russian Baturbiev. And across the pond, two of the world's biggest sports stars, yes, boxing's Ryan Garcia and Javonta Davis, have agreed to fight each other at a catch weight of 136 pounds. We'll discuss how important this fight will be, not just for the lightweight division, but for the sport of boxing, and if it could set a precedent for other top names agreeing to fight without any belts on the line. Don't go anywhere. This is Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. And you wonder how much is left in the tank of Stefani Koikov. And that's it. Anthony Yard is back. Anthony Yard was ferocious. Anthony Yard has another stoppage victory. And Anthony Yard is ready for Arta Baturbiev. You know what, fighting an undefeated guy. Undefeated everywhere, I think, is one of the hardest things to beat on this planet because he's undefeated. He doesn't know to lose. He's got a lot of self-belief and... Sometimes these guys are erratic and they do they do wild things. I have a spirit of competition in me and you're going to see that come out when I fight Tank and, t- and whoop his ass. So quiet weekend in the ring, Nick, but the standout was a comfortable win for Anthony Yard, stopping Stefani Koikov. And his reward is a shot, of course, at three belt holding light heavyweight Arta Baturbiev. Uh, I'm delighted with the fight for Anthony Yard, of course, from a boxing perspective. I think the world 
I think we need to see the former teammates go at it. We need to know who the best light heavyweight in the world is. And that means Dimitri Bivol versus Artur Baterbiev would be everybody's dream fight. Kind of the same as our dream fight in the heavyweight division would be Fury versus Usyk. But for whatever reasons, we're not getting that fight next. They do have mandatory obligations, unfortunately. So let's get behind the fact that Anthony Yard, one of the best light heavyweights in Britain, and I'm, I, want, I use my words carefully there, one of the best light heavyweights in Britain, one of the best weight classes we have in the UK, gets a great opportunity, a second shot at a world title, taking on Arta Baterbiev. And I know we'll get stuck into this later, Gareth, but I love the fight for Anthony Yard. It's his kind of fight. Well, we'll hear from uh, Anthony Yard um, shortly. He spoke with us on Saturday night. He's delighted uh, that he put his opponent away. Uh, you make a very valid point about Baterbiev and De Bivol, Dimitri Bivol, conqueror of Canelo, of course, um, looks fantastic at the moment, as the all-conquering undisputed title at 175 pounds. But the truth is, the big fights, the money fights, part of the business is going to be made here. And one of the reasons that Baterbiev is coming to the UK is that they will do big numbers here. I think it's a big fight here in the UK. I, I've urged eight for ages Deontay Wilder to come and have fights in the UK because so many big uh, fights from him. But we'll hear from uh, Anthony Yard shortly. Dillian White back this weekend, Nick. Where does he fit in the heavyweight landscape, assuming he comes through on Saturday night? In my view, uh, the fight there is there with Anthony Joshua. I think it's always there. Um, and if he comes through in a powerful way, in a statement way, it feeds naturally into a fight with Anthony Joshua, say, March, April next year, in my view. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we, we've known that for the last few months. Dillian White, certainly since his loss to Tyson Fury earlier in the year, has been shopping around. He's been speaking to everybody. He spoke to The Zone, to BT, to Sky Sports. And he's been, you know, looking to get himself a contract moving forward. It did look like the time there when he was going to commit to BT Sports. Then the rumours were that he was going to stick with Sky Sports. And then suddenly he's uh, made this decision to, to cross over, stick with Matchroom and go over to The Zone. Uh, and the reason being exactly that, Gareth. You know, they, they've they've set the table for him. All he's got to do is eat his dinner this weekend and he will be rewarded with the Anthony Joshua fight early in the new year. And you know what? I don't necessarily hate that fight either. You know what? I think Anthony Joshua, by his very fingertips, is holding on to a ranking in the top five, in my opinion. I think Dillian White's on the outside of the top five, probably for the first time in the last decade or so. So I think it's a big fight to remain relevant in the heavyweight division for both those guys. Um, let me just bring in at that point this talk where Eddie Hearn um, and uh, I think Kala Sauland have jumped on purse bids for the Hergovic, just to, to look at the picture in the heavyweight division at the moment. seemed almost ludicrous to me, the suggestions that were being made last week, Nick, that, for example, we could see Anthony Joshua facing Flip Hergovic for the WBO uh, heavyweight title if Usyk, sorry, the IBF title, um, if Usyk IBF. vacates, yeah, the IBF, if, if Usyk vacates that title and still fights uh, Tyson Fury next year, isn't it ludicrous really to think that Anthony Joshua could be challenging for that belt on the back of two losses because he's ranked four in that division and two is empty and three I think is 
Andy Ruiz, who's already lined up for a fight with Deontay Wilder. That That's part of the ludicrous nature that we face sometimes with the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Listen, uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the record and I've been for, you know, the best part of a decade, in my opinion, about the number of belts in the sport of boxing. It's completely and utterly uh, one of the worst things about the sport is the politics, most of it driven by these belt companies and these organisations where they have dozens of champions in, in, in across all the weight classes. Uh, I understand why the IBF have done it. We touched on it last week. We said last week that it wasn't right and it didn't really matter whether the IBF belt was around Usyk's waist when he faced Fury. All that mattered is that it was the number one against the number two best of this generation. Would it be a little bit embarrassing if somebody like Anthony Joshua to, were to be Hegovic and start parading himself as a world champion? Yes, it would. But, you know, if you're, if you're in the Anthony Joshua business, which Eddie Hearn absolutely is, then um, then a lot of marketing... And a lot of, uh, you know, potential sponsorship deals can be built on the fact that he's got a, a belt with, wrapped around his waist, which has been taken away from another champion uh, over the business table. So, listen, we, the, I think most fans these days who follow the sport of boxing get over the fact that, you know, we shouldn't allow these governing bodies to dictate who the best in the division are. We know Usyk and Fury are jostling for top spots. Everybody else is jostling for three, four, five and six. It's really odd, you know. I, I I was doing this with Adam on Saturday night on Fight Night. Your your partner on 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 in Fight Disciples. I I, I took us back to two thousand and fifteen, where Tyson Fury. No one expected him to beat um, Vladimir Klitschko, but he pulls off a what masterstroke in in Dusseldorf, uh, December, late November, early December yeah. two thousand and fifteen. He takes. Uh, Klitschko's jab away for the first time. He can't use his right hand. He, he out-hustles him in, in a fight of not many punches. Very absorbing ringside. People hated the fight on TV, but being there live was fascinating. A night that really brought Tyson Fury to the fore. Uh, he gets stripped of the IBF title within a couple of weeks to, to see history repeating itself. Um, he, gets, he gets stripped of the IBF title, one of the three belts, WBA, IBF and WBO at the time. Um, he gets stripped of the IBF within two weeks. Um, Vyacheslav Glazkov, he refuses to fight next. I think he's got a rematch with Klitschko in the books, does Fury. So he's stripped of the IBF. Vyacheslav Glazkov and, and um, Charles Martin fight for that belt. Glazkov gets a knee injury or was injured during the fight. Charles Martin wins the belt and I mean, I mean, I'm not on record as saying he's one of the worst champions of all time, but a lot of people are. He comes over here. Well, Eddie he Hearn sees an opportunity. Anthony Joshua's world champion after, you know, seven, 16, 17 yeah. fights. So it'd be weird to see that, that what this link with Joshua, if it did happen, Joshua in the IBF belt that gets him back into the into the mainframe again. But it does outline if you look back on that historical um kind of circle if you like kind of outlines the the absurdity of the belts that you're talking about yeah exactly listen again you know it's the international and the intercontinental and it's all these other crazy belts that i've got real issue with you know when you've got to look at the sport of boxing it's often compared to mma and it's often compared to the ufc and yes the ufc is easier to follow because there is one weight one one weight division one champion across the board an interim belt are only brought in temporarily if the champion is unavailable through through injury or whatever so 
Um, it is a lot cleaner, but you've also got to look at the fact that that is one organization within the sports and mixed martial arts. Boxing is much bigger. There's way more boxers. There's way more, you know, professional boxers across the entire sport than there is in one promotion in mixed martial arts. So I'm not necessarily against there being two or three versions of a world title, but what we need is reform within there. So, you know, for instance here, the reason the IBF wants to strip Usyk is because the IBF have their own ranking system featuring 10 fighters in their top 10 that aren't belt holders and other. So they don't rank Tyson Fury, for yeah, instance, even though right. Tyson Fury is, is probably, you know, anybody in, anyone with any interest in boxing can tell you that Tyson Fury is the best heavyweight in the world. But because he's got the WBC belt, he isn't ranked by the IBF. And the IBF aren't alone in doing that. All the governing bodies do the same thing. So that's why in situations like this, where there's, we're so close to a unification fight, the IBF can order a mandatory, some complete random, with all due respect from Hergovic, that's got no, no business whatsoever being anywhere near Usyk or Fury, or AJ for that matter. That's why somebody that, like that gets plucked from the wilderness and go, right, you're going to fight for the belt next. If yeah. you, Usyk, if you don't face this guy, well, this guy will go and fight Anthony Joshua. That's how ludicrous the sport is. They're willing to sacrifice, cut their own noses off, deny the sport, what's good for the sport, to line their own pockets because of their own guidelines, their own politics, their own paperwork. That's what's ludicrous about the sport of boxing. And, you know, when you look at it as well, Nick, when, when And when you look at it, Nick, um, you know, many of us felt that out in Saudi Arabia, in Jeddah, uh, against um, against uh, the big Chinese lummox, Flip Hergovic probably didn't even get the victory mm -hmm. anyway. He lost. Uh, it, yeah, we, a lot of us felt that he lost. It, it's, it's, it's a wild and wacky situation. It's the matchups that count. And uh, moving on to that, Ryan Garcia versus Javonta Davis uh, looks all but good to go. It's huge for boxing. Obviously, they're now lining Tank up with another opponent. We'll talk about that in in a, in, a, in, a, in the next section or two. But what's nice about this, if it does happen, um, and I believe it's scheduled for the early spring, um, it ignites that whole division with, you know, given that there's a WBA world belt we know that Devin Haney is is the undisputed champion at the moment but it brings Vasil Lomachenko into play Shaka Stevenson into play it's a fantastic yeah. um opening for a division isn't it best fighting the best you don't always need a big belt on the line for it either no, you don't. You don't. You don't ever need a big belt when you get two of the best guys in in one weight division going at it and putting it all on the line. Then the belts don't matter, you know. Hence, they've been the belt moniker. You know, it doesn't. You don't need a belt for a fight of this magnitude. We'll get into the details later in the show, but on the face of it, and let's pretend that there is only the face of it and there isn't the real story behind it. Javonta Davis taking on Ryan Garcia is the fight that boxing desperately needs. We desperately need two big players from the same weight division to actually go at it and go on the line. You know, Fjord Usyk still does, you know, isn't in the books. Spence Crawford was sick of talking about it. There's so many good champions in the same weight division that aren't fighting one another, especially the lighter weight classes. It happens, Gareth. We get big fights in the lighter weight clashes, but let's be honest, it needs to be lightweight and above, super featherweight and above to really gain interest from 
the Western world, you know, because that's basically the way most people walk around at this size. Too, not too many people are interested when flyweights are unified belts, but super featherweight, lightweight and above, you're going to get the world's interest. You're really going to generate. And if we were sitting here saying Ryan Garcia's fighting Javonta Davis in January, I would be celebrating. I'd be popping the champagne cork yeah. saying, what a fantastic way to start the year. Let's hope every other weight class follows suit. Unfortunately, Gareth, as great as the fight is, we are not quite there ready to take the, the cork out the bottle yet, are we? No, we're not. Great stuff, Nick. I will be picking up on all those details in the following parts of the show. But you're listening to Final Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come. You're getting... You know what, fighting an undefeated guy, undefeated everywhere, I think is one of the hardest things to beat on this planet because he's undefeated, he doesn't know to lose, he's got a lot of self-belief and sometimes these guys are erratic. The fighting pride of Brixton, London, England, Dillian, the body snatcher, you're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. I'm Gareth Davis and Nick Pete is alongside me. So, Nick, Dillian White returns this weekend against Jermaine Franklin, an undefeated heavyweight from uh, America who has been in training camp and is the sparring partner of Tyson Fury. Um, ahead of this weekend's clash, White has teamed up with a new trainer, Buddy McGirt, the great Buddy McGirt, former world champion, himself, of course, uh, who has worked with so many of the great fighters uh, both on both sides of, of the pond as well. But I recently caught up with Dillian um, and asked him to look ahead to the fight with Jermaine Franklin and why he felt he needed to make a change to his training team. I respect everybody that's treat, coached me and everybody that's helped me along the way. I, I respect them and I love them and I still stay... I still have good working relationship with him and I still speak to him, you know what I mean? I still speak to him on a, on a daily basis, even though I don't work anymore because the relationship end decently and amicable. But sometimes in life you need to make changes. You need to turn up great. And if you, if something's been there for a while and if you look at my, my last three fights, obviously I've had two losses. So something needs changing. I can't keep ignoring the... The fact something needs changing. I clearly I'm not adjusting something or something I'm missing. Or clearly I need some kind of technical support or experience that's not there. So you have to try. You, you, you can't stay in the same place. If you're in the mud, you have to get up and go for a walk. You, know, you can't just lean and say, oh, it, it, it's, it's muddy here. I'm just going to stay here. No, you have to get up and go and see what else is elsewhere sometimes. Do you know the movie Gladiator and the movie 300? Yes. Do you relate? Well, they're movies. You know. No, but when you see them, when you know they're part of history, there's elements of history in all of those. Yeah. Do you feel that that's what you are born to be a warrior? <laughs> I don't oh, know. come on, I, come on. No, you know, I don't know what I was born to be, Gareth. I just, no. I just know what I can do. I don't know. I can't say I say I was born to be a warrior. I don't, I don't know. You know, obviously, I'm many things. I'm, a, I'm, I'm many things. I don't know what I was meant mm. to be. I just do what. I know what to do, you know, whether it's being a father, whether it's being a family man, whether it's being a warrior, whether it's being someone who has to be violent or someone who has to be respectful and peaceful. I don't know. I just do 
whatever I feel is right, man. I don't know. What, I'm not going to say I was born to be this. Or, I don't know. I just got lucky, I guess. No, I had the privilege about a year and a half ago. No, it was, it was last October. I was doing lockdown anyway mm-hmm. to come over to Portugal and talk to you properly mm-hmm. about your early life. And I'd never heard you mm-hmm. talk about it before. Mm-hmm. And, and, and the things that you have gone through, Dillian, and where you are now, and you saying to me, I didn't think I'd live beyond 20-odd. It's true. Uh, mm-hmm. that, 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 and I say it from my heart you're such an inspiration, you know. I know you have a very rough side to you and mm. a side that's very emotional. Yeah. I've experienced it from you. Yeah, yeah, A, a text late at night saying, what are you, what are you didn't know, but no, I know, no, I know course, it didn't come course, from a bad course, place. Of course, of course. But it's, um, uh, there's, there's so much inspiration I'm in you warrior. as a person. I'm a warrior. I'm... My first instinct is to defend myself. Yeah. So if I feel that something is intruding and that something's changing, I'll defend myself. Whether it's the cops, whether it's, mm. it's a fuck, whether... It's a woman, a child, or an animal. I'll defend it. So that's why I am. If I feel that that's been intruded, then then I'll defend it. So that's all it is, man. I just do what I'm doing. But I've also experienced a clean heart in there. You have a clean heart, don't you? When we're cool, you show me respect. I show you respect. I show everyone respect Mm. anyway. That's my first. My first approach is to show people respect. When they (laughs) me, then then the beast comes out. You understand? Yeah. But I don't try not to to go. I don't go and glaring my teeth and. No, you've trained it. You've no, trained it. Yeah, exactly. I'm 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 very respectful to everyone. You know. Give me the four fights that you would love to have in your career if you could have them. Jermaine Franklin, because I'm fighting him. Yeah, four more. Joshua Wilder, Fury, Usyk, and then I fought everyone there is for me to fight Mero. Can you go for four more years? I don't. I don't know. I have to see how my body feels and see. You know, I'm so young. I'm still feeling good. I'm, one good thing about having a lot of fights, a lot of amateur fights, is I ain't got too much mileage on the clock. Yeah. First of all, Dillian White telling us that he wants Joshua, Fury again, Wilder, and Usyk. Is he going to be around enough in the sport, <laughs> and long enough to have all four of those fights? In your view, listen, I, I certainly like the way he's talking. I like yeah. the aspirations, and I like that. There's you know, there's fire still in the belly of Dillian White. You know, that's something that it's all good and well saying it. Obviously, I need to see it this weekend. I want to see a reaction to where he's at right now because there's no get escaping the fact that he's lost two of his last three fights, both by stoppage, both via uppercut stoppage as well in quite sensational fashion. So I know he got that one back against Alexander Povetkin, which led to the Fury fight. But let's be honest, Tyson Fury won every second of that fight, every minute of every round before he pulled the trigger in inside a capacity Wembley Stadium. So that's a lot to bounce back from. I need to see, words are one thing, but I need to see a reaction from Dillian inside the ring. If he truly believes he's got a couple of years left in the sport, he truly believes that he can finally become a world champion, then he needs to be running through opponents like Jermaine Franklin. And, and frankly, I don't know whether he's got that left in him. Oh, I don't know about that. I, th- I think he was... Caught, he, he, look, he'd hurt, um, he, he had, Povetkin. he had hurt Povetkin in the garden, in Matchroom Square Garden, and yeah. was caught cold. I think he was winning that fight. He did the number in the rematch, the, the rumble on the rock. Um, I think, I, I, I take what, I take what you had. There is, there's mileage on him. There's no question about that. He had, he had war and peace with uh, uh, with Joseph Parker. That was a tremendous contest. 
two yeah. great battles with Derek Chisora. Um, I think with Dillian, I mean, I watched the head-to-head with Dillian uh, that Matchroom did with Eddie Hearn as the as the as the chair, if you like. And I got the feeling that Dillian was getting into Jermaine Franklin a little bit mentally. I don't know if you've seen it. Um, uh-huh. And and I think the thing is about Dillian, when I sat with him in that cinema at the Charlotte um, Street Hotel, at the Charlotte Street Hotel, I think he there's something relaxed about him in the way that he knows he can come back and be a survivor. I don't think he'll get all four of those fights. I think he'll get the Joshua fight. I don't think he'll get Fury again. He's got a win on Saturday night. He and Wilder's fascinating. I favour Wilder in that fight. But I quite like Dillian against Usyk, by the way. Um, I like Dillian's style against Usyk. I think it'd be fascinating because he'd go hunting and Usyk would be boxing. Um, But I think what Dillian has become, and I felt it when we went for the media lunch the other day, He's definitely box office still. And I don't think you can deny him that, Nick. No, absolutely not. You know, there's a reason why he's the main event here. You know, I'm not taking anything away from him. And I think Jermaine Franklin's kind of like the perfect opponent. There's a relationship there, as you, as you indicated earlier, with Tyson Fury. Franklin is under the radar on the international stage, but well-known on the American circuit. You know, he's a former U.S. international, a Golden Gloves champion. He was a good level, you know, not the highest level, but a good level amateur. He's turned pro. He's undefeated as a pro. He's 21 fights into his career. He's got more than 50% knockout rate, but he's never fought outside of the U.S. So he ticks a lot of boxes, but he should be a level below Dillian White. Now, obviously, Jermaine Franklin has been telling everybody uh, all last week, and there'll be more of it this week, get ready, that um, Dillian is prone to an uppercut and he's going to finish him in exactly the same way. And who knows? Jermaine Franklin may have been waiting his entire career for an opportunity like this. What I think we'll get on Saturday is we will get the best version of Jermaine Franklin. The the limitations on him are yet as yet unknown because he's never competed at this level. What will we get from Dillian White? That's where the questions remain. Where does Dillian White at? Because he, he's not just going to walk through Jermaine Franklin. And I think the good thing about having Buddy McGirt in the corner is Buddy's going to be, as an American national himself, he's going to be more than familiar with Jermaine Franklin and his style. And he's going to make sure that Dillian White is fully prepared mm. for Jermaine Franklin, even though, let's be honest, this could easily be Dillian White versus TBA at Wembley and they would still sell tickets because Dillian White's still a ticket driver. But if Dillian isn't 100%, if Dillian is thinking about the Anthony Joshua fight, that contract is pretty much on the table waiting for him for the new year. If he is pipe dreaming about Usyk, pipe dreaming about a Tyson Fury match, pipe dreaming about these other big fights, then he could well come unstuck against Jermaine Franklin at the weekend because this is Franklin's world title fight. Yeah. Whereas Dillian White, this is a stepping stone towards what he hopes will be well, is this the second or maybe the third chapter in his career? And that's a st- that's a real dangerous position to be in. I'm going to be fascinated on Saturday night because I don't know, genuinely, I don't know what version of Dillian White remains because he has had a, a, a tough, long career, Gareth. Mm. Well, and we also don't know what level Jermaine Franklin is. I mean, I've spoken to him in the build-up to this as well, and He's not looking beyond it because he knows that Eddie Hearn has teased the fact that he could be the next man uh, naturally to face Anthony Joshua if he defeats Dillian White. 
Um, exactly. It's a fascinating uh, matchup. We don't know what's going to happen in this. And Dillian White's not overlooking Franklin either. It'd be remiss of me, by the way, not to mention, obviously, that's at Wembley uh, on Saturday night. But the O2 Aruna, it'd be re- remiss of me not to mention that the undefeated Zach Parker is facing John Ryder for the WBO interim uh, super middleweight title. So much on the line for those two. And in many ways, some similarities there. Shame that Frank Warren and Eddie Hearn going head-to-head on the same night, uh, November the 26th, of course, a week before uh, Fury uh, takes on Derek Chisora for the third time. We'll uh, talk about that more next week. But um, really good fight for Zach Parker, I think, against John Ryder, because it is a massive test for him. He missed out uh, twice, I think it was, they, they'd lined up Demetrius Andrade to face him. It's not going to happen. Uh, poor old Zach Parker's sat out for a year. But there's something maybe special about this kid, Nick. Yeah, absolutely. You know, he, he could be one of the best uh, the best uh, future world champions that we've got here in the UK. But what he doesn't have is a signature win on his record. What he doesn't have is a victory over a proven not necessarily a world champion, but somebody that's mixed it in world class and proven themselves. And that's exactly what John Ryder is. John Ryder may have a 31 and 5 record, but if you look at that record, John's been in with world champions, you know, four or five of them throughout his career. And you know what? He's probably won some fights that he's lost on the scorecards, and he's actually lost some fights that he's won on the scorecards. He's a veteran. He knows the game inside and out, and that's what he brings. That's the advantage he's got over Zach Parker. For me personally, I got John John Ryder starting that fight as favourite. I don't know how the bookies have got it. But I think experience in this case counts for an awful lot. And the pressure's really on Zach Parker because this is a Frank show. Zach Parker is a a Frank Warren fighter, but John Ryder's very much a matchroom Eddie Hearn fighter. He's coming over. It's a bit of a crossover. I love it. I want to see more of these fights, please. It's all about the best versus the best. I don't care who promotes it. I don't care what channel it's on. I want to see who the best fight the best and want to get a winner. For me, this is all about who is the best 12-stone fighter in Britain today. Right now, I'd say John Ryder. But but come Sunday morning, it could very well be Zach Parker. And before we move on, Gareth, can I just say, there's also a fight on the Dillian White undercard. And for me, it's the best fight of the weekend. And it's for the British heavyweight title mm-hmm. between Fabio Wardley and Nathan Gorman. You've got Fabio Wardley, no amateur experience, a massive puncher, this bright new sensation taking on Nathan Gorman, who's only got one loss on his record, a knockout loss to Daniel Dubois. No shame in that where Daniel's career is ultimately going. And Nathan Gorman's a former England international, very, very good, very underrated boxer you know, carved out of the same kind of gypsy stone as Tyson Fury. May not look like your archetypal British heavyweight champion. He's not rippled in muscle. But I tell you what, Nathan Gorman can box. That fight has got me on the edge of my seat as well. Absolutely. Cannot wait for that one. I am really looking forward to the progress. It's great matchmaking, great time for uh, Fabio Wardley to meet the likes of a Nathan Gorman. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Still to come, we'll talk Ryan Garcia versus Javonta Davis. Could that be the biggest fight of 2023? No, it won't be. Hopefully, it'll be Usyk against Tyson Fury. But up next, we'll hear from uh, Anthony Yard after he set up a shot at light heavyweight champion Arta. But- Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? 
and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Downstairs on the back foot, retreating, and yards go for it. I think there might be a cut as well with Koikov, who's starting to show one or two signs of wobbly legs. This might be the moment for Anthony Yard to really go through the gears. Koikov starting to unravel in there. Down he goes. And you wonder how much is left in the tank of Stefani Koikov. And that's it. Anthony Yard is back. Anthony Yard was ferocious. Anthony Yard has another stoppage victory. And Anthony Yard is ready for Arta Viterbia. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. I'm Gareth Davis. Alongside me is Mr. Nick Pete. Anthony Yard will fight Artur Baturbiev for the WBC, WBO and IBF light heavyweight titles early next year after stopping Stefani Koikov on Saturday night. Let's hear from Yard now. He spoke with myself and Adam Catterall on TalkSport on Saturday night, minutes after his victory to discuss the challenge of Baturbiev. Everyone does this talking thing. I know we're meant to build up the fight and sell the fight and make all these predictions, but um, I don't feel like it's a Houdini kind of situation. I feel like worse, worse facts is that we're both big punches. We both like to get the job done within the 12 rounds. And then I just feel like it's an explosive um, fight. So it's a good matchup to be made. For me, one of the best in boxing. And um, yeah, I'm just excited for it. He's, he's turning 38 in January, a week before the fight. Do you think his age may be a factor in this? Um, well, again, we have to wait and see, but from what I've seen, I don't think he's taking that much punishment. 
Um, I know he had a lot of amateur fights. Um, I can't, don't quote me. I think it's it's, it's definitely over two hundred amateur fights. Um, yeah. But I don't feel like he's had that he's had that much damage been done on him. And you know they say in boxing, you're how old you are is how much punishment you're taking. So I'm not really going in there thinking that that's, that's an advantage or anything like that. Um, mm. It's just that I've got to just be hundred percent focused. You. From from a British fan's point of view, and this is just me speaking openly, I look at, for example, the fight that Arta Baturbiev had with Callum Johnson, and Callum hurts him early. He puts Arta down in that fight early doors, and obviously, he doesn't. It doesn't materialize as a Callum win that night. But the signs there that this guy can be hurt, you most certainly have the power. And one thing that is in your favor, Anthony, and this isn't against any other fighter that has been in with Arta, when you do get somebody hurt, you take them out. And that is, for me, just just an observer, I'm sure you'll have your own game plan, but from an observer, it would be an early situation. To get on him early, to impose your thing nice and early, and let that power go, mate. And let's see if we could test them whiskers. We'll see what happens. Again, (laughs) everyone's got their speculation of how things go. You get in there with somebody, and again, the way they shape up can be different. He could could shape up, and I could be like, I can hit this guy at will. He could shape up and I could be like, you know, I have to figure this out. In boxing, you don't know. So for me, it's about training, um, leaving up to the team around me to try and pick him apart. And then we work on what we're going to work on. And then at the end of the day, we've got to get in there and we've got to fight. So that's the part that's the most exciting for me. So, Nick, uh, very confident, uh, very magnanimous uh, Anthony Yard on Saturday night. What did you make of his performance, first of all? Yeah, listen, he did exactly what he was supposed to do. He shake off the cobwebs, get a nice stoppage under his belt. You know, Stefani Koykov, let's be honest, probably wouldn't be used as a sparring partner for Anthony Yards. But that's not Anthony's job. Anthony's job is to get him out the way, to get to a position to announce this fight with Arta Baterbiev. And you know what? Listen, going into a fight against Baterbiev, for me, the pound for pound, best light heavyweight on the planet. I know Bivol's having a great run right now, but I've still got Baterbiev as the number one guy. A finishing machine, 18 fights, 18 knockouts. Yard needs to remind himself of who he is because we can't be in a situation, Gareth, which we got last year, where he decided to try and become a boxer and outbox Lyndon Arthur. What we got in the rematch with Lyndon Arthur was the true Anthony Yard, which is a wrecking machine. And it was nice to see the wrecking machine at the weekend just going, yeah, this is what the wrecking machine does. Patiently stalks his his opponent and then takes him out in style. That's the only way he can approach the Batavia fight. It's an absolute shootout. And I tell you what, I'm already counting down the days to January the 28th. My birthday weekend as well, incidentally. Mm -hmm. Cannot wait for it. That fight does not go five rounds. Really? Do you think? Well, that's, you know, it's a big call. I mean, I think for me, he will have learned a lot from the Kovalev uh, loss, the Sergei Kovalev, when he went to Russia to Tractorland uh, to fight for the world title there. But I, I, like you say, the thing is about the likes of Artur Baturbiev and Dmitry Bivol, they're so well-schooled from the amateur yeah. ranks that they know the basics of boxing. They see the open doors. They see the opportunities. I don't fully agree with you. I think Bivol has shown, Dimitri Bivol has shown in his last two performances that he may have what it takes uh, to outbox a quite a lot older Baturbiev, coming up 39 now, remember. Um, yeah. Not a lot of mileage on the clock. He could grow old overnight. I mean, obviously, obviously that's a, a fantastic fight. As you say, Baturbiev, 18 fights, 18 knockouts. He's got dynamite in his hands. Um, 
We know Callum Johnson, who retired recently. I hope he has a lovely retirement and hope he's well. Um, he's talked about he hasn't been feeling too good. Um, I hope Callum doesn't disappear completely from the world of boxing. But he put down Baturbiev early, didn't he? I think Yard's not going to be gung-ho in that fight. I see Baturbiev as the favourite. But at least Yard has the advantages of being on home soil, all his home stuff, London stuff. Um, you know, and finally on this, do we think it would be better to see Baturbiev versus Bivol right now? Or, Nick, are we seeing the benefits of how well-supported boxing is in the UK at the moment, that they can draw, even though he's obviously the, the main challenger for him, so he deserves the fight, they can draw Baturbiev to face yard in the UK. I think there's definitely an element of that, but we, you know, let's let's also not forget the ele- elephant in the room, and that's the fact that Dimitri Bivol and his team aren't entertaining any kind of calls at the moment. When there's a potential for a Canelo phone call for that rematch, he remains the golden goose in the sport. And if Canelo chooses to have the rematch with Bivol in 2023, Bivol's team absolutely want to be available and ready to take that call and to take that fight and to cash that check once yeah. more. Um, for that reason, you know, the fact that he beats Canelo, who's a big, who's a, who's a middleweight, who's blew himself up to super middleweight, that got found out blowing himself up to light heavyweight. That's probably the reason why I've still got Baterbiev above Bivol personally. I think Bivol beats the pound for pound guy, but a guy that was, you know, two weight divisions out outside of his natural weight. And I thought last time out against Gilberto Ramirez, it was basically a shutout against a guy, yet another Mexican fighter with an overly inflated record. How Ramirez is 44 and oh, I'll never know. But, you know, their fight, I expected uh, him to win. So, of course, I think Bivol Baterbiev is the fight the fans want to see in this weight division. But you're absolutely right. The fact that, we are filling arenas in the UK right now for boxing. Nobody else in the world is filling arenas. We're, the, the fans are engaged here at the moment, despite you know a lot of the uh, a lot of the horrificness that's gone on in and around the sport, certainly outside the ring in the last few weeks. Uh, but we've still got the fans engaged here in the UK, and I think that's why we're getting fighters like Baterbiev coming over. And I think it's a massive benefit for Anthony Yard to have those home comforts and. Funny, you, you you know, you look at the Kovalev fight with Anthony Yard, you say he's, he's had experience from there not to go too early. I disagree. I think the experience from the Kovalev fight proved that there was a moment when he had Kovalev gone, when a moment when Kovalev's legs were straightened, he was up against the ropes, and and, and uh, Anthony Yard never rolled the dice, and ultimately he let, Bivol, he let uh, Kovalev off the hook. Kovalev came back into the fight when he looked all but done. And then he ended up finishing Yard down the stretch. I think this time around, I think we will see Anthony Yard roll a dice. I think he will think, right, I've got six rounds to get this fight going. And unlike Bivol, if Yard was fighting Bivol, I'd be a far less confident, as mad as that may sound, mm. because Bivol could box Anthony Yard's head off all day, every yeah. day, on twice on Sundays. Yeah. But Terbiev's not that tile of fighter. You don't get to 18 and 0 and 18 knockouts by taking your time. You get in there by you know, trying to get people out there as quickly as possible. And yes, it's a gamble, like Callum Johnson. It's a gamble going toe-to-toe with Baterbiev, but it just might pay off for Anthony Yard. I think if he tries to play the long game, I think if the tactics with the Lions in the camp and Tunde are to take Baterbiev into deeper waters, I see the exact same thing happening that happened with Kovalev. Baterbiev's just too good a boxer. I think the best chance is a shootout. Let's go. Absolutely. And we cannot wait for that early in 2023. What a start to the year. You're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2. Next up, 
we're talking about potentially one of the biggest fights of 2023 when Ryan Garcia and Javonta Davis potentially meet in Las Vegas. So you're listening to Fight Night Extra on TalkSport 2 with me, Gareth Davis, and Nick Pete alongside me. Ryan Garcia versus Javonta Davis. There's going to be a fight in the interim. We know there's going to be one for Javonta Davis early in the new year, Nick. But everyone coming together to make what is really one of the super fights of the lightweight division with several other uh, fighters in play here. Vasyl Lomachenko, um, Devin Haney, um, Shaka Stevenson, arguably the best of all of them, in my view, if he can do yeah. it at, the, at 135 pounds. But there's, there isn't a full belt on the line here, but could this set a precedent for the other fighters in the division and in other divisions and help pave the way for more mega fights? Listen, I would love to say yes, because I would love to be in a position, Gareth, where we're actually previewing a fight that's been booked. <laughs> you know, what I don't understand here is that, you know, Leonard Ellaby and Mayweather Promotions, who, who have Javonta Davis... And Golden Boy Promotions, who have Ryan Garcia, have made this whole song and dance over the last couple of days saying, right, they're fighting each other. We don't need belts. It's going to be huge. It's going to be massive. And we're like, yeah, oh, my God, we're in. Absolutely. This is what boxing needs. And then the the caveat is it's happening next year in Las Vegas. We don't have a venue. We don't have a date. Yeah. Javante is also going to fight on January the 7th, and he's going to face Hector Luis Garcia, right. who's a pretty dangerous and a decent level super featherweight guy from the weight division below. But that yeah. could be, you know, could be a tough fight. I think Javante comes through it, of course, but there's a 12-rounder. We're also being told by Golden Boy that Ryan Garcia is going to have a warm-up fight in the interim as well. Details of that to follow. So we've got probably 24 rounds of boxing scheduled to get through before we can get excited. Also. Javonta Davis has got a day in court yep. relating to a relating to a, a hit and run, I think it was. So, And there's a chance there, there's a real chance that he might have to do some jail time. So that might still come in the way of the fight as well. It's bonkers, but it just shows you the state of boxing right now that we are holding on to these scraps that were getting thrown from the top table as something to look forward to in the new year. There's nothing here to look forward to. Yes, they've agreed to fight. Fantastic. Give us a date. Why are they both having warm-ups, Gareth? They're both established boxers. They've both got fantastic unbeaten records. You know, Javante's won, picked up belts in numerous weight divisions. Ryan Garcia looks absolutely incredible. He's beaten so many former world champions. Why are they having warm-ups? What is this with this sport where people need warm-ups? Just fight one another. Yeah. Well, you know, the, 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 and also, I know he's from the weight division below, but he could be a tricky opponent, you know, the Dominican Republic fighter. He was at the yep. 2016 Olympics. He's 16-0 and 0 as a fighter. He's a southpaw, which could make him tricky. He's got very good wins recently over Chris Colbert and Roger Gutierrez. Um, yep. You know, um, obviously won the WBA super featherweight strap. Um, but, you know, I, I, I think Tank is extremely well talented and I think the fact that um Garcia this Garcia Hector Garcia is is below him in in weight is a naturally smaller man he'll handle him but it uh, boxing does have this habit Ryan Garcia could go into the fight with his his prospective opponent for a tune-up we don't know what injury Tank could get like you say got the impending court case 
it doesn't it doesn't all go well that they tease us and they say it's going to be in Vegas. They're talking about April. Um, I don't know why these teases. There's too many of these types of teases in boxing at the moment, but it's a very, very meaningful fight if it can happen in April. But April is a very, very long way away right now. Yeah, there's an awful lot to get over before we get to April, before we get to potentially these guys making the ring walk. Following the announcement, am I any more convinced that it's going to happen than prior to the announcement? No, no. I'm really exactly. not, you know, and, no. that, and that's the crazy thing. <laughs> of course, I want it to happen. For the yeah. good of boxing, I want it to happen. We need fights like this to happen because a fight like this happens, then the pressure then becomes on... Devin Haney, who's the undisputed number one in this weight division, to then look at the winner as, you know, the best guy out there. Or Vasyl Lomachenko, of course, who's who's come back into the fold. These are the these are the four four of the five top guys. Shakir, of course, is moving up to this weight division, yet to really have a fight in this weight class to set his stall out as well. But these are the fights that can happen. You know, a couple of years ago, we, we got talked about the four kings in this weight division when we talked about three of these guys plus... Uh, Tiafimo Lopez, who's now gone up to the weight division below, but, uh, above after losing his belts and everything. There's so much talk about the potential behind these guys to become pay-per-view stars. The problem is, Gareth, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haney, Javonta Davis, all think they are Floyd Mayweather now. Mm. They all think they're multi-million dollar, and I mean 10, 12, 20 million dollar fighters. They're not. No. They're nowhere near that no. level of fame. No. They've done nothing on their resume to class themselves anywhere near where Floyd Mayweather was, but they all want to be Floyd Mayweather. They all want paying like Floyd Mayweather. With all due respect, who have you, any of you guys beaten to deserve that kind of money? They don't seem to understand, but if Javonta Davis fights Ryan Garcia... That could be the first in two, maybe three fights, or it could be the first and the winner then fights Devin Haney. Then the, the loser goes away and maybe fights a Richard Comey well, or a Shakir Stevenson. And then that absolutely opens up the division. And this lightweight division could drive boxing into 2023 in style. Yeah, the four kings, Duran, Hearns, Hagler, um, and Leonard, fought each other between the four of them nine times. Okay? Yeah. So when you look at that era, there's no question that Devin Haney, Javonta Davis, Vasily Lomachenko, Shaka Stevenson and Ryan Garcia, there's five of them, the five yeah. kings. There are about 12 fights to be made there in, exactly. in, in, in real terms. There are some rematches. And I tried to say this to Terence Crawford, who was on fight night. Um, on Saturday night with, with me. I spoke to I'd interviewed him before the before the, the show. Do you not realise that you and Errol Spence not fighting is the reverse making of you rather than the making of you? Because those guys should have had a trilogy already. If we get Correct. if we get to 18 months from now, and I think in 18 months from now, my belief is, and Crawford agreed with me on this, I said, what do you think about my view that Shaka Stevenson will be pound for pound number one in about 18 months to two years. He said, spot on. When you spar, when we spar together, the gym stops. What would you pay to watch Crawford and Stevenson spar, to watch them sparring in the gym, Nick, to be a spar, yeah. to be a spar on the wall, to be a fly on the wall. Um, if we get to two years time, I expect there to have been six or seven fights between these five protagonists. And if they haven't, by then, 
their promoters, the TV companies and the boxers themselves will have failed in what they ought to have done. Correct. Absolutely. 100%. And as you say, the, the four kings, the original four kings, they fought each other, you know, was it nine times? I think it's it nine times, yeah, yeah. But it wasn't nine times in the space of three years either. It was nine times over the course of about 12 years yeah, yeah, in exactly. various weight divisions. But when you look back in history now, it's those fights which define their legacies, win, lose, or draw. Their legacies were defined by their area, hence the reason why they're known as the four kings of that era of boxing. These guys are letting that slip through their fingers like grains of sand. They don't seem to realize that. They've got to face one another, another to define their own legacy and this legacy, it's, this period of boxing. It's so weird how young fighters don't, realize that i mean we can say that because we're older men now and they're even yeah. at 30 they're still very young men and they don't see it but we've seen and witnessed it final one short one who do you fancy to win out of garcia uh ryan garcia and tank uh, i think tank's just got a bit too much experience and a bit too strong but i tell you what it's a 50 50 gareth because Ryan Garcia's hand speed yeah. is absolutely unreal. And his power. And, what a, and his power. And his, and his power. His power is unreal as well. He looks like a choir boy, but I tell you what, he can absolutely punch like a freight train. So can Javonta Davis, of course. I think Davis, because of the experience, the wins over Santa Cruz and Gamboa, people who, you know, genuine world champions established, where Ryan Garcia's picked people off, off as they've come down the mountain. That's why I'd probably edge towards Tank. But I love the fact that it's Garcia, Ryan Garcia, that's driving this fight and wants this fight to happen. Spectacular if it happens, Gareth. I can't wait. Absolutely. Great stuff, Nick. Thanks very much. You can listen to the whole show, of course, on the Fight Night and Fight Night Extra podcast series. That's it for this week. Thank you so much for downloading our Fight Night Extra. Remember, we're back every single Tuesday for more great content. And if you miss us, make sure you subscribe to Fight Night to catch up on all our other episodes. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards... Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how tap to pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.